0: We're really grateful to have Randy Harris with us this morning. Many of you know Randy, I've heard him speak in various locations and venues. Randy's been here at Highland at least a couple of times. Randy is the founder of Contemplative Ministers Initiative, which helps ministers to grow closer to God and thus helps their congregations grow closer to God. Our own Eric Gentry is in one of those cohorts right now and we're benefiting from the experience that he's getting there. Randy is a spiritual director for the College of Bible at Abilene Christian University where he is also a favorite teacher of many students. Randy is an author of several books including Daring Faith which we have for sale out in the commons and after our service this morning I hope that you'll stop out in the commons and visit with Randy and Get a signed copy of one of those books. We're selling them for just 10 bucks this morning. Sometimes Randy is called a missional monk, meaning he's somebody that helps people draw closer to God, but not just for uh, some internal uh, selfish sense, but for the purpose of the mission of God here on earth. And so he helps us draw closer to God for the sake of others, for the sake of god's work here on earth randy has meant a lot to me personally he's really shaped my own view of god and ministry and especially during a difficult time in my own ministry he was a really important conversation partner and i give thanks to god for the role that he has played in my life would you join me in welcoming randy harris to highland this morning
1: Thank you. It's uh, really good to be here. Uh, I'm actually not preaching the uh, sermon that uh, is listed on the uh, order of worship. It came to me that I may have already preached that sermon here and that wouldn't make any difference to most of you but a few of you it would. I, I once made the same lecture in a class at ACU. The period before spring break and the period after spring break, and nobody stopped me. They let me give the exact same lecture a, a second time, and then missed several questions on the test about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I am going to preach. Uh, I'm going to preach a different topic. Uh, of all things, uh, I'm going to talk about baptism. Um, if you uh, Semesters ago, I was teaching a really big general education freshman Bible class. Uh, I've got 300 people in there. Uh, I know them all by name. Uh, Hey, you. Uh, (laughs) Guy comes up after class one day. I don't know him at all. And uh, he says, "Uh, I'd like to ask you a question. And I said, sure. And uh, I introduce myself, and he introduces himself, and he says, it doesn't have anything to do with class. And I said, well, it doesn't have to. What do you want to talk about? He says, baptism. I said, okay, that's a good topic. Can I ask why? And um, uh, he kind of quickly tells me his story. He kind of uh, came to faith in Jesus as a teenager at a Christian concert, a story you hear from uh, time to time. Um, it's funny, going to Christian concerts makes me want to jump off a bridge, but anyway, it, it, it brought him to Christ. Um, and uh, you know he'd never really heard anything about, uh, about baptism, uh, particularly. He got to ACU, he heard about it, and now he was wondering. And the way he phrased this question was uh, this um, uh, or, or his concern. He expressed this way. He says, "I just want to make sure." that if the rapture comes I'm not going to be left behind. And I thought, okay, this is probably not the right time to try to fix rapture theology. Um, So, I I said, well, okay. Um, I said, I don't want want you to be baptized because you're afraid. Um, Let me give you some passages. You go read these passages and then you come to my office and we'll talk about it and shoo him out of my class. So, um, you know, two or three days later he shows up in my office and he says, okay, I've read those passages. And I said, great, let's talk about it. And we sat there. And he said, aren't we going to talk about it? And I said, yeah, I'm waiting. You go first. And he said, well, aren't you going to teach me about these passages? And I said, I have no intention of doing that. I'm going to sit here and listen to you teach me about these passages. And he did. He opened the Bible, started reading the passages, Telling me what he heard. We kind of got to the end of that and I said, that's great. I think, I think you've got it. He says, what now? I said, I don't know. I said, what do you want to do? And He said, "Well, do you want to baptize me? I said, yeah, I guess I could. I'm really good at this by the way. Um, and uh, so we got a few of his friends and went out to the baptismal pool at ACU, and I baptized him, and you can believe it or not, I taught him nothing. He read the Bible. He read the passages on baptism and said, I want in on that. And it struck me again how central to the Christian faith the practice of baptism is, how grounded in the Gospel it is. So, for a few minutes I want to remind uh, many of you about what you've done. And for those of you who are relatively unfamiliar with Christian baptism I want to tell you what it is, and in that we'll hear the Gospel. Uh, So, I'm going to preach um, a sum total of uh, one verse. Um, First peter chapter three verse twenty one where the writer manages to get done in one verse more than most preachers can get done in a half hour uh, now the context is a little weird um, the writer has been talking about how, between his death and resurrection, Jesus went to the Hadean realm and preached to people who were disobedient in the time of Noah. Um, now, if you have any real questions about that, uh, you might ask um, Alan Black. But talking about that, he's talking about Noah, reminds him of the flood. The flood reminds him of water, and water reminds him of baptism. And lo and behold, he winds up saying this. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, the pledge of a good conscience towards God, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. You know, when I read that first phrase, it puts me off. Baptism now saves you. Really? Hmm. I thought it was Jesus Christ that saved you. Baptism that saves you? And it's as if the writer uh, sees my problem And in three phrases, he spells it out just to make sure that people like me don't misunderstand it. He says, baptism now saves you. Number one, not the washing away of the filth of the flesh. Okay, every once in a while, we need to remind ourselves that there's nothing magic about the water in baptism. It's just plain old water. It's not necessarily blessed water. Having baptized a lot of people, I can tell you it's not always clean water. Sometimes it's really cold water. I baptized one of my friends in the Jordan River in January and I thought we might just go to Heaven straight from this river. It's just so cold. Nothing special about the water. It's not magic. Um, I I had resisted um, uh, uh, ever reading a Harry Potter book uh, at the beginning, it wasn't really resistance. I just didn't do it. And then after everybody had read them, it was genuine resistance. You know, if everybody's going to read them, I'm not. Uh, but um, one of my friends just kept pressing them on them and pressing them on me. So I, I decided I would listen uh, to some of them. And listening to them is a great way to do it because you can put it on fast forward. And the books move much more quickly uh, that way. And the books are about magic. They're about having the right ritual, saying the right word, going to school to learn how to manipulate the world. Baptism is not magic, it's not the way you manipulate God. It's not the lantern you rub that makes everything all right again. I was uh, co-teaching an ethics class uh, a good long while ago and uh, Eric has been my graduate assistant will tell you that when I teach uh, a class I almost never show up for the test because I don't like to face the hostility so I'll just send my GA to give the test and they, that's their job. Um, But on this particular day, I I showed up for the test. The other teacher showed up and they were taking their tests and come and laying them on the desk. And one guy lays his test on the desk and he goes out. And I turned to my co-teacher and I said, who was that? And he looks at the paper and tells me his name. And I said, but who was that? I've never seen him before. I thought maybe somebody just walked off the street to find out if they could pass an ethics test. And he said, well, he doesn't come very much. I said, doesn't come very much. I've never seen him before. I said, why are we letting him get away with that? And he says, okay, I'll call him. Uh, so, he calls him and um, the kid tells him, well, the day you did a seating chart, I wasn't there. And so, I've been sitting at different places and that's why you think I've been absent so much. Now, as lies go, that one's fairly attractive. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been in the business for a while, and that's better than most. You know, you got to at least give him an E for effort on that. But, um, but a lie is still a lie, and that one's not true. So, we call him into the office, and I do a little research on him before he comes in because I want to know who I'm talking to. And he's a little older than your typical undergraduate student, not a lot, but a little bit. He's probably 23. Uh, he's from California, and he's not an athlete. Now, this has already got my curiosity up. A guy a little older from California who's not an athlete has come to Abilene, Texas to school. Oh, a mystery to be solved. And um, when he comes in I said, okay, we're we're not going to worry about the class, we'll get to that uh, by and by. But uh, I said, what I really would like to know is this, are you the kind of person who when you get in trouble you lie until it's no longer plausible? Uh, which is, by the way, the way most people are. And he thinks about it for a few minutes, and he says, lately, yes. And I said, is that who you want to be? No. And he started to get a little teary, and so I knew I needed to give him an out, and I said, okay, look, we'll get the class worked out. Um, and if you want to you can leave right now but I would really like to hear the story and to his great credit he's willing to tell it and it kind of haunts me okay he's 23 years old he's from California he's not an athlete he's coming to ACU what's the next most plausible explanation girl if you didn't know that you've been out of school too long Uh, yeah, he's in love. He's in love with a young lady. He's in love with a Christian young lady and he knows if he's going to make any headway with her he's going to have to get his life straightened out. And he hears about baptism which is supposed to make you a new creation. And he thinks to himself, oh, I can use some of that. So, he gets himself baptized. And guess what? It doesn't take He feels like very much the same guy as he was when he got baptized. There's no community of faith teaching him and supporting him and helping him understand what that means. And he can't figure out why it didn't work. Well, it didn't work because it's not magic. It's not the way the human being manipulates God. It just isn't. Next, the writer says, not the washing away of the filth of the flesh, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God, which is actually kind of a complex Greek phrase, no real good way to translate it. Uh, I actually think the best way to translate that phrase is with a poker term. I was watching ESPN the other night. How did poker become a sport? Uh, doesn't, doesn't seem to require that much athletic ability. Um, In poker, when you decide towards the end of the game that you have a good hand and that you're going to risk everything, you're going to put all your chips out there and you live or die with this one hand, the way we describe that is with the two-word phrase, all in. I'm all in. And that is actually an excellent translation of the phrase a pledge of a good conscience towards God. It's the way the human being says, I am all in. Uh, one of my friends says, baptism is the way you separate the tire kickers from the car buyers. Fear of a certain age, you'll understand that. It's when you've quit shopping and are ready to buy. Um, I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a very uh, brave person, but I I do have uh, a dangerous curiosity about doing things I haven't done before. Um, This this has led to most of the big mistakes in my life, Uh, bungee jumping. Um, But uh, when I was in New Zealand um, recently, I had the opportunity to do something I'd never done before and who could resist? I went black water rafting. Uh, Blackwater rafting is like white water rafting, only you do it in a cave. So, you abseil down into this cave and there's this rolling river down in the cave and, and we have wetsuits on and sometimes we're wading in water up to our waist and sometimes we're in a raft and sometimes we have these, have these little life preserver rings that were floating on. And this particular cave is populated by glow worms. And so when everybody turns their light off, the whole cave glows like the night sky. It's really a great adventure. I was having a good time. And then we get to this one point where we kind of come to this, this ledge and the river is running beneath and we have our little life preserver rings. And the guy says, okay, what you need to do is just jump down into that river down there. And I said, I don't think I could do that. And I don't know how far it was. I I would say it was somewhere between 15 and 1,000 feet. (laughs) Somewhere in there. And, you know, he's got this great New Zealand accent. He said, oh, mate, just, I'll count to three. And when I say three, you jump. And he says, one, two, three, and I do not move a muscle. And he says, what's the problem? Was it the accent? Did you not understand three? And I said, no, in my mind I jumped, you know, but somehow it didn't get conveyed to my body. And I said, okay, do it again. And when you get to three, if I haven't jumped, push me. HE SAID, ARE YOU SURE? I SAID, OH, YEAH, I'M SURE. SO HE SAYS, ONE, TWO, AND I KNOW I DON'T WANT HIM TO PUSH ME, SO I JUMP. AND IT'S SO CRYSTAL CLEAR TO ME EVEN NOW, THE MOMENT I JUMP, I'M THINKING TO MYSELF, THIS IS A MISTAKE. <laughs> YOU should NEVER HAVE DONE THIS. BUT AT THAT POINT, I'M ALL IN, I AM ALL IN it's a great water story it's a great baptism story i mean when you jump into the waters of baptism what you're saying is i'm all in i get to baptize the son of one of my good friends who uh, they're 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 spiritual people they're not very churchy people they've somehow it's become the habit of their life to pick one terrible church after another and um uh, you know, so, so he, he's kind of a loose cannon. And, and so I'm getting ready to baptize his son. And I said, okay, do you have anything you want to say to your son before I baptize him? And I have no idea what he's going to say. And he says, son, um, your mother and I are very proud of you. And there were times when we didn't think we would ever get to this day. But uh, we are and we will always be here for you. But I want you to know, as of today... YOUR FAITH IS ON YOU. I KIND OF GOT THIS SHIVER AND I THOUGHT, YEAH, JUST RIGHT. THAT'S RIGHT. That's AT THAT POINT where YOU SAY, OKAY, NOW I TAKE RESPONSIBILITY FOR MY FAITH. I'M THROUGH SHOPPING, I'M READY TO BUY, I AM ALL IN. But when I say it that way, you might come to think that this has more to do with you than it actually does. So, just to clear that up, Peter gives us one more phrase. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He just wants you to be sure that it's not you that are saving yourself, it's God that is saving you. Baptism is not the way you save yourself. Baptism is the way you admit there is nothing you could do to save yourself. It's like the old Lipton Tea commercial where a sweaty person falls back into the swimming pool. It's it's falling back into the grace of God because there is nothing else we can do. Um, Grammar is very important. Um, And actions symbolic actions are very important um, i i really enjoy watching uh sports center because it saves me having to actually watch the games and i know a lot of the commentators on sports center have uh, have gone to school but they hide it really well uh, <laughs> uh, um, and uh, they often are sort of unaware of like grammar it's not that they use bad grammar, it's that they don't pay attention to what grammar is doing. Uh, So, several years ago uh, in an incident that almost none of you will remember, uh, this was right before the hockey, National Hockey League strike uh, which almost none of you know happened. Uh, It tells you something about the success of that strike. uh, right before that, one hockey player almost killed another hockey player by driving his face into the ice. And he gets an indefinite suspension, which then it's right before the strike, so it turns out to be a really long suspension. Um, but when I'm watching Sports Center, he is on TV giving his tearful apology, which, of course, he's giving while his lawyer is sitting beside him. Uh, because, by the way, assault and battery is assault and battery. Just because it happens on the ice doesn't mean it's not assault and battery. This guy's in legal trouble. And so, here's his apology. I'm sorry for what happened. Really? What happened? You're sorry for what happened? It's in the passive voice. It's like apologizing for the weather. I'm sorry for the weather. I'm sorry that Martian shot that ray down, gun down and almost killed you. There's a big difference in saying, I'm sorry for what happened and saying, I'm sorry, I almost killed a man. He's taking responsibility for nothing. It's passive. Uh, the interesting thing is when you look at the Bible, the grammar of baptism is Passive baptism is not something you do. Baptism is something that's done to you. It's, baptism is something that you receive. The primary actor in baptism is not the person being baptized, the primary actor in baptism is God. The water in baptism no more cleanses sins than the Jordan River cleanses leprosy. Only God can do that. And He does it in Jesus Christ. Um, uh, have you noticed um, how, we, uh, how we build uh, baptistries uh, wrong? You know we build them long. And what we should do is build them high. Because oh it would be so much easier to baptize people. You know you build them high, you have water almost up to the neck, you put your hand on your, their head go bloop. <laughs> Never have to leave their feet. No mess, no fuss. Nobody's life is in danger. No. What we're going to do is turn you upside down and backwards. And really take you under the water in the most awkward possible way. Um, but it's also extraordinarily powerful. Because in that moment, in that brief moment, the person being baptized gives up control. You have to trust. It's a powerful symbol But baptism is that point at which we place our trust in God that what we cannot do for ourselves God will do for us. In that stirring passage in Romans 6 Paul says the way that, uh, that you participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is through Baptism—that's the way the story becomes your story, and it has nothing to do with your ability to save yourself. It has everything to do with the fact you can't, and so you throw yourself on the mercy of God. Um, a few years ago, a uh, a church uh, called me and said, "We'd like you to come and do a men's retreat." I said, "Oh." Okay, we can talk about that. They said, we haven't had one in 10 years. I said, okay, that's interesting. Any particular reason why? Yes, we don't like each other. Okay, tell me about it. Well, we're in big trouble. It looks like we may not make it. Uh, We've had doctrinal fights and personality fights. And, uh, you know, we just... We just have not been able to get along. And, you know, the only way we're getting along now is we don't talk about anything important. And it looks like we're going under and we don't want to go under without at least trying. Will you come and do a retreat with us? I said, well, who could resist an invitation like that? (laughs) Can't imagine anything I'd rather do. Um, Yeah, if they're willing to try, I'll try too. So, out in the woods we go. (laughs) And they have me scheduled to speak every moment. Because as long as I'm talking, nothing really bad can happen. (laughs) You know, we're not having a retreat, we're having a seminar in the woods. And I think, no, 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 no. If If we're going down, we are not going down like this. Uh, I am not going to waste a weekend. Listen to me clatter on. So we got them around tables, and you could cut the tension with a knife because they didn't want to talk to each other about anything meaningful. And I said, okay, this is what I want you to do for the next 45 minutes. I want you to just go around the table, and I want everybody to tell their baptism story. And so they started some guys in their 80s some teenagers some young adults some empty nesters and what is remarkable is that they all had a great clarity of memory about what it was like to be baptized and I watched they shared saw some people crying nobody hitting each other got a chance. Um, I'd like to tell you that story ends happily ever after. It doesn't. Not all of them do. They didn't make it. But I'm telling you, that's as close as we got. Because what we shared is that we all at different times and places had been recipients of the grace of God. Where HE HAD DONE FOR US WHAT WE COULD NOT DO FOR OURSELVES. AND THAT, WHATEVER WAS PUSHING US APART, WE HAD IN COMMON. THAT'S WHY WHEN SOMEBODY GETS BAPTIZED IN FRONT OF US, I DON'T KNOW IF YOU'VE NOTICED, WE ALL GET BAPTIZED AGAIN. EVERYBODY THINKS BACK TO THAT MOMENT. WE HEAR AND SEE THE GOSPEL AGAIN. IT'S NOT MAGIC. It is that point at which the human being says all in. But most importantly it is where we see the power of God in Jesus Christ to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Baptism a work? Yep. Not a human work, a work of God. All the human being is doing is just showing up where God is working. THAT'S WHY WHEN PAUL TALKS ABOUT CHRISTIAN IDENTITY IN 1 CORINTHIANS 1, THE TWO THINGS HE TALKS ABOUT ARE THE CROSS AND BAPTISM. ONE OF THEM IS THE STORY AND THE OTHER IS THE WAY THIS STORY BECOMES MY STORY. THE LORD BLESS YOU AND KEEP YOU. THE LORD MAKE HIS FACE TO SHINE UPON YOU AND GIVE YOU PEACE. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, world without end. Amen.
0: He came to live, to live the perfect life. He
1: came